Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. Today is the first week of 2022. And so I want to share with you a message called Launching Out Into the Deep. Launching Out Into the Deep based on Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It is a very apropos way to launch into the year as we continue to face such shifting sands uh, the ground beneath us continues to move, uh, and we find ourselves in deep waters, uh, trusting hopefully in, in Jesus. So I'm going to begin this message by uh, doing a, a short exegesis and of the passage uh, from Luke 5, and, and then get into applications of what does it mean for us to actually specifically launch out into the deep with Jesus? Uh, because it's something that never ends. It's always happening. It's it's always frightening, but it's always wonderful uh, because it's it's one of the ways that God makes himself known to us and transforms us and reveals himself to us. It's actually essential to discipleship. And so we we don't want to be surprised by it uh, because it's always going to be happening to us in different ways. And it's always going to be scary. At the same time, it's always going to be wonderful. Uh, and it's very different uh, to, to trust Jesus in that process from remaining stuck uh, and not going out into the deep with Jesus. And it's interesting, I, I close this uh, message by talking about what it looks like when we're trapped uh, kind of on the shallow water uh, in chronic anxiety. We, we fight, we flee, we freeze, we talk about that. But then we also fuse with other people. We fixate on certain solutions. We, we, we try to fix things and we flounder, we, get, we give up, we, we find ourselves addicted to food, sex, and money. It's, but yet Jesus is here and he's very much inviting us into deep waters together. So uh, remember, perfect love drives out fear uh, because fear has to do with punishment, but uh, there is no fear in love as 1 John 4 says so beautifully. So uh, as I launch you into this message, two things. One is uh, let me invite you to send in any topics that you'd love to see me address in 2022 for podcasts. Uh, just send that to askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org. Uh, love receiving those kinds of emails. And then finally, let me invite you to uh, check out emotionallyhealthy.org slash discipleship. And one of the ways I'm convinced we need to launch out into the deep is letting God reshape our paradigm of how we're following him, the way that we're leading, the way we're shaping our communities. And there's a uh, a free discussion guide, some videos on the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book, which I released this past March. It is my best thinking of the kind of shifting into the deep that we all need to make as the church uh, to get re-equipped for the days in which we're living so we can be missionally effective and fruitful for Christ. So that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash discipleship. Check that out. There's a number of free resources there for you. So with that said, let me invite you now to listen in on this sermon called Launching Out Into the Deep. Enjoy. So let's begin reading, beginning at verse 1 of, of Luke chapter 5. Thus says the Lord. Uh, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. 
but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. So they pulled their boats up to shore, left everything, and followed him. All right. Amen. Now this passage, is, this, this, this sermon is called Launching Out into the Deep because to be a Christian is about change. It's about leaving a shore which is comfortable, and, and it's a great image. We follow Jesus and launch out into the deep. Now, a Harvard uh, researcher and professor named John Cotter uh, has really spent his life studying organizational change, whether it's from a, uh, whether you're a, a CEO of a company, whether you're in a family system, whether you're a student, uh, anyone working in any kind of group organization, he has spent his life work like, how do people change and how do groups change? And so, you know, he's written some books and all that, but, but he, wrote a little, he wrote a little book called Our Iceberg is Melting, and it's a fable. And it's a great little book uh, because it kind of illustrates this issue of change. So the story is about, the fable is about a colony of penguins that live on an iceberg in Antarctica. There's 286 of them, exactly. And they've been in this iceberg for many, many years. They, they're, they're very, you can see they're, they're happy on the iceberg. Lots of food, lots of play. Everything's awesome and great. Then one day, uh, uh, one of the penguins, his name is Fred, goes up on one of the hills of the iceberg, you know, and, and he begins to notice, like, there's some cracks over here on this iceberg on the, on the ends. And, and it's like, wow, like, I wonder if something's wrong. So he dives into the water, you know, and goes underneath the iceberg, and, and he begins to see that there's cracks underneath. And there's actually some caves, and, and there's some melting that's going on, erosion. And, and he realizes that, oh my gosh, this iceberg is melting. And that he could see, like, from the seasons, every time the winter came, that cold water would become frozen and it would expand and cause other parts of the iceberg to fall off. So he realized, my gosh, we may not make it through the next winter. And this iceberg could break apart and we could lose some old elderly penguins and baby penguins and all that. So Fred starts talking to people about, like, hey, we got a problem here. The iceberg is melting, but of course, nobody wants to hear it. Everybody's happy. So he goes to the leadership council of penguins and talks to them. Uh, but the whole book's about this unfolding of trying to get people to change. And, uh, you know, I, I love this. You know, his, his first conversation, this is a penguin named No-No, you know, and uh, who loves the status quo like everybody else, you know, and he's yelling, the iceberg is, uh, No-No's yelling, the iceberg is not melting, you know. And, and so anyway, uh, great book. So I, I thought that, I, I used to think that I was unique and that I don't like change. Uh, but I found out that nobody likes change. That pretty much all of us resist it in some manner, shape, or form. Like, for example, I, I have an aunt, no longer alive. Her name was Yolanda. And uh, she was very strong-willed. And uh, she, she had an idea about doctors. I know we've got a few doctors floating around here. 
She thought oh, every doctor was a crook. And they didn't know what they were talking about. All they wanted was your money. So she refused to go to a doctor. Just her whole life, refused to go to a doctor. Then she got a little sick, you know, and, and, and just, you know, her expertise on doctors was she owned an Italian delicatessen in Long Island, just to give it, that's her expertise level. So she got, you know, something, and to make a long story short, she died, like really young. And I remember being at the funeral, and she was very vivacious, and, and everyone's like saying, like the whole family, like, this was so stupid. She didn't need to be dead. But she just, she was not, no one could talk her into going to a doctor. Her mind was made up. And, uh, you know, I, uh, the, the, I follow the Postal Service. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service, I don't know if you're aware, but it loses money every year. This last year, we lost $5 billion. Okay? Some of you work for the post office. You came and talked to me at the services. Okay? They say this year, we're scheduled to lose $14 billion. Now, I follow because I'm saying, why don't they just make some adjustments? You know, there is something called email and that's going on right now. The world's changed a little bit. Like, I don't need to send a three-letter, three, three days to get a letter to California. But for some reason, the politicians, it's very complicated. They will not make changes. So it's just like this thing is going to hell in a handbasket, but nobody's moving. But nobody likes change. Uh, I was at a meeting in California at Fuller Theological Seminary. I was actually there visiting for two days. And uh, there was a faculty meeting because... They're, they're, they're going to make a drastic change in the whole curriculum of training pastors and leaders. And I snuck in the meeting. So I, I was curious what was going to happen at the meeting because the president was going to tell them about this big change coming in the whole curriculum. And, he, and they get up, and the guy starts the meeting, him and another woman, about how the world has changed. And that if they don't make some changes, there will not even be an institution left in 10 years. They talk about everything from declining enrollment to expensiveness to technology to the needs of the church have changed. You know, the pastor's meal leader today is very different than it was 100 years ago, blah, blah, blah. So I'm at a table. I'm just kind of observing. You know, I'm at a table with about, you know, seven or eight professors. All have PhDs, very smart people. And so he presents this whole proposal. And it's really, I think, from where I sit, fantastic. But what do I know, you know? And so at the table is this one professor, and she is a, a, a world scholar on ancient languages. So she teaches things like not just Hebrew and Greek. She teaches Akkadian, Ugaritic. Aramaic, okay, and so she starts saying, this is ridiculous, you know, we've been doing this for 150 years, the pastors need Akkadian, they need these languages, I'm thinking to myself, I don't think Rich needs it, I don't think, but I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm my mind, but I realize nothing that's said is going to change this person's mind, she is set, no, bad idea, so anyway, th this, this passage is basically saying in Luke 5, to be a Christian means that you're willing to change. In fact, here's, being a Christian is an invitation to launch out into the deep. In fact, and there's three things that happen. Here's the news, guys. Being a Christian is always happening to you that God's inviting you to launch into the deep. He's always inviting you out. Secondly, it's always frightening. And thirdly, it's always wonderful in the long run. Okay, so that's really kind of the framework of this whole text of where I'm going to take you today. Jesus is inviting you to launch out into the deep. It's always happening to you. Every one of you in this room right now, in some manner, shape, or form, it's always scary, but it's always wonderful in the long run. So, so the central, the text here is really found in verse 4, the key verse. Jesus finished speaking. He says to Simon, Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put down into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I'm like you. I, I, 
I prefer shallow water to deep water. Now, I'm an okay swimmer, but I don't like to be like where my feet can't touch the ground. I took a cruise only once. I made sure the cruise ship was going along the shore. We went to Halifax for four days. I'm like, I want to make sure I could taste something, happen. I could maybe make it over to the shore. And uh, so, he, see, most of us, we, we like shallow water, which is to your left there, right? It's shallow. I can, I'm in control. I, I got it covered here. But the deep water, I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, I don't like going out there. I don't know what's out there. I don't know where it's going. I don't have control of this thing. And I can't see where I'm going. So it's the unknown. So, so he says, put out into deep water, he says to Simon Peter, and uh, let down your nets for a catch. Now, now here's the problem. Uh, see, Simon says, you know, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Basically, he said, listen, guy. He calls Jesus Master. Okay, I want you to notice it. You know, it's kind of like it's respectful, you know, master. And, you know, Peter's a professional. He's been fishing his whole life, say 25, 30 years. His father was probably a fisherman. His friends are fishermen. He knows the Sea of Galilee inside out. Jesus is not even a fisherman. He's a carpenter. And he and, and he, he's just been out all night, all night fishing. And and fishermen know that the, in the deep water, you catch the fish at night. You don't go into deep water in the daytime. There's no fish there. So he's been out all night. They come back. They, it was a failure of a night. They're washing the nets. And Jesus said, now put out in the, deep, in the daytime. Peter already knows there's no fish there in the daytime. And I can imagine, you know, it's a waste of time, a waste of money. And I can imagine him trying to explain to his wife that he's going back out to work or his friends that is going back out in the daytime. Okay, it just seems ridiculous. And uh, again, he's got a lifetime of experience, say, to put out in deep water right now is a waste of time. But, but Peter does it. And so, uh, he says, I, we've been out all night. He's exhausted, he's tired, and he's caught nothing. So he's kind, of, he's kind of like rebuking Jesus a little bit. Okay, but at your request, all right, we'll go, we'll go. So at least he's willing. He, he, he's reluctant. He's got a bit of an attitude, apparently. But, but he says yes to this action and word of Jesus, and he goes out. Now, I want you to catch what happens here. He goes out, he throws a net down. Now, now listen, I'm not a fisherman. In fact, I've only gone fishing like once or twice, and it didn't go well. In fact, we, I caught a couple little fish, and I got all bent out of shape. I didn't, they were very slimy, and I just I didn't, I didn't want to even get my, my finger in the mouth. I just threw the thing back in, you know. I had a friend take care of it. So I'm really not the best person to be doing this illustration. You know, but you got to try to imagine they, they, they go out and they put the nets down and not only is there nothing there, they catch so many fish. Now, a boat was about 20, 30 feet long. So it's about the size of this platform here, size of the boat. They put the net in. I, I just try to imagine there's so many fish in this net. It says here, the nets begin to break. Now, I don't know. I, I'm like, what did these fish eat? I don't know. I mean, there's so many fish in this net. Nets are breaking. They bring the fish into the boat. Imagine, they bring in a boat, the boat begins to sink. Then they get their partner's boat, James and John, and they bring the nets into their boat as well. Their boat begins to sink. Everybody's sinking. I just try to imagine the scene here. Peter sees this, and then he realizes, oh my God. And he, he, he's in, he, he understands, at least he's in the presence of something of divine, something of God. And he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. 
I mean, he just sees his, his, his lack of trust, his rebellion. And it says it in verse 9, they're astonished. which They're in awe. Actually, it's awe. It's like, it's wonder. Like, it's a wonder, all these fish. Like, oh my God, what you did. And, 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 so, and so at that point, Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. Tremendous word. From now on, you will fish for people. And basically, he's invited to launch all over again. So he just launched out, you know, he went out to sea. Now he's got to launch again. They pull up their boats on shore. They left everything and they followed him. That verse, left everything and followed him, in in the Gospel of Luke, that is the phrase of what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who follows Jesus. And we follow him and we leave everything. Now, that that phrase, leave everything, is very important, Luke. In other words, you leave everything. Now, what does that mean? It means leave everything. And, you know, unless you hate your father, mother, brother, or sister more than me, you cannot be worthy of me. A a Christian Christian life is following Jesus. And basically, it's leaving. Now, so right now, Peter launches for the second time in 11 verses. He launches out now. Imagine he leaves. Now he's leaving his job. And he has no idea where he's going. Talk about launching into the unknown deep. It's following Jesus. Imagine that conversation with Mrs. Peter. Oh. And then imagine what's going to happen. How many more times are you going to be launching into the deep the next three years with Jesus? And then the book of Acts comes. And I mean, you look at Peter's life. You're like, God, he's in Cornelius' house. He is launching into the deep so many times in ways that he never, ever, ever would have imagined. But in every case, there's a wonder that happens as well. And so, again, here's the theme here. Jesus invites us. It's an invitation to launch out into the deep. It's always happening to us in this room. It's always frightening, but it's always ultimately wonderful. So Jesus is inviting you by name. He sees you today. He sees right where you're sitting. He knows what's going on in your life, and he's coming to you in your life. Now, you may be a a crossing guard. You may be a professor at a university. You may be an actor. You may be a social worker, a doctor, a lawyer. You may be unemployed. You may be at the height of your career right now. You may be at the bottom of your career, unemployed. You may be in the midst of great crisis. You may have children. You may not have children. Wherever you are right now, Jesus is coming into your life. Just as he came into Peter's fishing life, and he says to you, I want you to launch out into the deep. Now remember, we all have levels of deception in us that are very profound. And trusting that he is good to launch out in the deep for all of us in this room is quite frightening. And there are layers on us of, and obstacles that keep us. It's called sin or lack of trust or rebellion. And, and that, that lack of trust causes all kinds of disorder. But it's deeply rooted in us to stay in shallow water and not move. So, so part of what's happening right here today is there's an invitation from Jesus to you directly to, to step out by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me try to give you some images of what this looks like, okay? So, for me, before I became a Christian, I remember watching people pray. Like, you know, people were like this, and they'd be talking to God, and I'd be like, who, who are they talking to? Like, I wasn't sure I believed in God. I was open to believing in God. I just wasn't sure. But I remember it being so odd to me that people prayed. And then they would talk out loud. It was really strange. But I tell you, it was really launching the deep when I actually began to pray. Like, it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm praying. I hope I'm not talking to the air, you know? 
But it was a whole new experience I kind of launch into, like becoming a person that talks to this invisible God. And then I remember watching somebody, people like worship, and a few people raise their hands. And I was like, oh man, Jesus freaks. Fanatical, those people. Not me, I'm not going to, gee, man, I'm a little more intellectual than that. I don't forget, like after a while, I became a Christian, you know, and first time I kind of went like this, you know. You know, I was a little embarrassed, you know, but it was like launching into the deep, you know, to like to show that kind of expression actually in, in worship. And I remember I became a Christian. I was involved with um, InterVarsity and got involved in all these different ethnic groups. I, I come from an Italian-American, you know, culture, subculture, you know, Brooklyn and all that. And we didn't mingle with people. We mingled with our own people. You know, I, when I married Irish, it was revolutionary, you know. And so I become a Christian and now I'm like, mingling with African-Americans and Latinos and folks from Asia and different parts of the world. And, and I just like, I almost like, like this is, it was like really launching into the deep. It's like, man, I had no idea the image of God was in every culture. And I mean, I'm still learning. I mean, it, it's deepening. And, but I mean, someone's got me reading right now a scholarly paper on Confucianism. Uh, because they say you really understand Confucianism and understand what's happening in Queens right now, you know, and as you interact with folks from Asia and bring in emotionally spiritual to Asia. And I sometimes say to myself, I say, my parents would be turning over in their grave right now if they knew what was happening. But it's like the deep just gets deeper and continues to unfold for me decades in that. Um, you know, parenting, uh, and actually just the transition of New Life Fellowship, four and a half years ago, we began that transition from me to Rich. That was a launching into the deep. I had people, I, I had many people telling me, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. it you, you, you'll, you'll starve to death. You know, and, uh, you know, it'll work. But I tell you, launching into that deep, which initially was quite frightening, uh, has been so phenomenally wonderful. You know, for all of us in the church, for me, for Rich, everybody, it's been fantastic and it continues to unfold, you know, and so many new doors have opened up. I'm learning so much about God and myself. I'm on such a major growth curve. Personally, I'm like, How, this would not be happening to me if I hadn't launched into the deep. So it's been interesting. But even as parents, if you're a parent here, um, I'm finding out it has a lot to do with, you know, even parenting and, 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 and how we parent our children. Now, I was taught, like many of you, I'm sure your parents taught you, you know, if you have kids or, you know, get a degree and get a profession and make good money, get stable, right? So part of launching the deep uh, for me, even in parenting, has been to let my children be themselves and not be what I want them to be. Yes, yes. No, no. Here's what happened. So my 18-year-old comes to me, and she says to me at the end of high school, she comes to me during her senior year in high school, and she says, you know, Dad, I don't want to go to college. I'm sick of school. Uh, I want to go travel the world. Something an 18, she's a 17-year-old girl. I'm thinking, you know, really? And, uh, and so, make a long story short, I say, okay, you know, I'm, uh, she says, I'll go to college after that. So she, she signs up for this program to go to India for four months. And, uh, and she's traveling, and, you know, she's in this program, she's at Buddhist monasteries and Hindu monasteries, all this stuff, right? So she writes me this email a couple of weeks ago, and here's what she says. I'm settled in Calcutta, and I'm just overflowing with things to talk to you guys about. Mother Teresa's house is pretty indescribable. It's heavy on the heart and can be very intense. I'm learning firsthand that Christ is definitely hidden in the marginalized. Today, I mop under the cots of dying women. I spoon-fed lunch to the blind. I carried very close-to-death patients to the toilet. 
and held them as they went. I brought tea to a woman whose entire face has been burned, and all that's really left is a small gap to eat. Nonetheless, I'm so glad I'm here because I get to finally meet some Christian internationals and work alongside them. It has been a breath of fresh air. Oh, by the way, I don't ever want to leave Calcutta. <laughs> Love you, Eva. I was like... Now, did I want to launch into the deep and let her go? No. I wanted her to go to the community college for $22 a credit and live upstairs. <laughs> and it's so interesting because she writes that I see, you know, I, I'm learning firsthand that Christ is in the marginalized. And I thought to myself, I have been trying to teach that to that kid for 18 years. And she learns it when I let go. And she leaves. And the experience. But everything in me resists change. Let's do it the way my parents did it. Let's do what my culture does. Let's do what United States culture. Let's do what everybody else does. But I want you to hear this. To follow Jesus is to launch out into the deep. In every area of your life. And as you do, it gets even deeper. It's frightening, but then wonders begin to emerge out of it all. So the question is, and Dr. Mulholland, who spoke here, shared this at the New Life Cardia Leadership Conference, and it's one of his, he, the guy who spoke last week, he, he's a, we're a world scholar, he's in his 70s now, one of his key questions is this to every follower of Jesus. He says, who is in control of your relationship with God? Are you? In other words, you control it, God. You can speak to me between 7.15 and 8.15, when I'm quiet, or, or maybe 7.15 to 7.20. You can speak to me, maybe before I go to bed if I'm not too tired. And you can talk to me about these three issues, but not the rest of it. And we control it. Well, I'll tell you, if you're controlling it, there's no launching into the deep. And I love, I love the question. So, so what does it mean for us to launch into the deep? What does it mean for you to launch into the deep? So let me throw out some things. Because launching into the deep is about consenting to the presence of God in your life. And it's consenting to the action of God in your life. See, he's present and he's acting. And he's launching into the deep. So basically, this idea of launching into the deep is, is you're, you're saying yes. You're surrendering. So it might look like this. You're here today and launching into the deep for you is you're starting to come to New Life Fellowship Church. Someone brought you here and you're like, what am I doing here? Jesus, people. And just being here is deep for you. Because it's talking about things you've never heard before. And you're realizing this is a whole different life. And a part of you wants to run out that door. Absolutely. Being here is launching the deep. Coming is launching the deep. Or maybe you're here and you know what? And you're realizing you had an understanding of who God is and what it means to be a Christian and what church is all about. And it's right now it's shattered or it's getting shattered. And a part of you wants to run back. Because this is launching into deep water. And, or, or maybe you, you, launching the deep for you is you had an idea of who God is, that you could feel his presence, it went a certain way, and now all of a sudden you're in a journey with Christ where God is like, it's like you don't feel him in quite the same way. God is much more unknown, much larger, much more transcendent, much more incomprehensible, and you're like, this is deep. And your prayer life is even like confusing you. It's like, where is this? But you're in the deep. And something wonderful will happen, but you are in the deep. Or maybe for you, launching the deep is stepping out and, and actually like getting involved. And, and getting engaged and serving 
as a small group leader or getting involved in a small group or going to a class or serving in children's church or the health center, but actually, like, or you've got this urging to do something, to actually step out and not be so afraid of failing or messing up and actually doing it. That's your launching in the deep and not just sitting where you are, but it's deep water. Or maybe it's like two people said in our small group, we have a small group, uh, in our home, and two people said last week, uh, as they came into our home, uh, one, as she walked in, she says, I don't want to come to this group. I said, thank you, welcome. And the second person that we sat down and said, we said, how do you feel about being here tonight? And the person, another person said, I don't want to be here. I said, awesome, we're doing wonderfully so far. <laughs> because the topic was on conflict and anger. And they didn't want to deal with it. But I thought it was fabulous. Because they're launching in the deep and they're there. They stayed in the room and that was great. Uh, you know, for some coming to a marriage retreat, which we're going to have in December at New Life here in this building, is launching into the deep. Because you say, I don't, we're married, you know, everything's fine. Don't rock the boat. Everything's good. And we're saying, you need to get disciple in your marriage. You got to open this stuff up. Launch into the deep. Yes, things might get worse before they get better, but they'll be better in the long run. But it's the deep water for you. And the question, do you stay where you are or do you actually go? I mean, let's take, even for example, you know, uh, you, have, you have two job, you have job options. You're saying, oh, I wish I did, you know, but say you do. So I just take this job that maybe, it's, okay, it's, it's stable and it's secure, but uh, it's, it's, it's no life for me at all. Versus this step over here, it's not quite as stable and secure, but, but my heart burns when I think about that. My heart comes alive. Well, which way do you go? Well, your father would say, do that one. I go, I'm your father. I say, take it. You know, but, you know, how do you decide that? I say, launching the deep for some of you is every day you being open and saying, God, what's your will for my life? You have to make a decision. Even offering that decision to God every single day, even for two minutes a day, say, Lord, what's your will? I'm going to wait on you. That would be launching in the deep because then you might hear something. And that's frightening. You might get some direction. I think of Rosie Candethal. You know, Rosie, we all know Rosie. Rosie was a lawyer and then she took a year to be with God. Didn't get paid for a year. She felt led by God to not take money. Then she came on staff for a year, kind of waiting on God. She preached some. Now she's at a monastery. Her poor parents were here first service. You know, I mean, she's, just, she's in deep at a monastery for a year, and she's kind of discerning what, what God has for her for the future. But, but she's just open to, but I'm telling you, friends, that is the normal Christian life. There's this openness to launch into the deep, deep. You know, some of you are, are some of you, a number of you are college students here, and some of you are high school students. Some are just young adults. And uh, you've got to make choices. Launching into the deep it includes things like getting rid of your false self, putting on an image for everybody, and actually being who you really are. This actually, my wife said, this applies to all of us, Pete. And if you remember, uh, Mulholland's work, uh, his life work has been on the false self, analyzing what is this false self. Do not lie to each other. It's not just don't lie with your words. Don't lie with your person. And put up an image that's not who you are. And imagine launching into the deep by letting God dismember you and tear these protections off you. Instead of living by fear, living by protectiveness, living by defensiveness, living by your possessing things and manipulating and self-promoting and distinction-making by putting other people down so you feel good about yourself. Just letting, letting that fall off you. And you as a student to launch with Jesus alone into the deep. It's frightening, isn't it? Will anybody love me? Will anybody accept me? Will I have any friends? Am I going to sink and die? I know, I've thought all those things. But to not be defensive and not be, I mean, to, to not be defensive, to be vulnerable, 
Boy, someone said to me, to even Peter, to, let, to launch into the deep would be to actually will to forgive this person who hurt me. To let God take vengeance on his time, that is launching in the deep because I want that person to pay. So even just, you know, our vision of the five M's at New Life, who we are as a church, we are basically everyone, monastic, multiracial, emotionally healthy, every one of these is launching into the deep. We're trying to create an environment where you will hear God and launch into the deep. That's what we're seeking to do at, at New Life. So remember, the invitation to launch into the deep is always happening. It's happening to you right now as we speak. It's always frightening, and it's always, again, in the long run, wonderful. So remember, it's worse to stay where you are. You may think it's safer right now, but eventually the iceberg melts. It doesn't work out so great. But you know, there are fears that are good fears, that are healthy, that protect us from danger. But a lot of us have fears that we're carrying that, that narrow our lives and, and restrict us. They, fears that destroy us and they keep us stuck. We don't want to move. And they cause us to make a lot of bad choices about relationships, about marriages, about families, about money, about job, all kinds of things. With God, we're afraid of what people think, etc. So what are some fears? Let me ask you, what are some fears you're carrying today that are restricting you from the great life God has for you? God has a great life for you. He has wonders for you, but they're in the deep. But what are the fears that are crippling you, or restricting you, and holding you stuck on shore? The apostle Peter had no idea of what lied ahead for him. You don't either. You have no idea what lies ahead for your life. It, I can tell you this, it's a great life. Now, God's committed to your wholeness to be transformed to the image of Jesus for the sake of the world. And God says that you are loved. You're swimming in blessing. That's one of Mulholland's great life points as Ephesians 1.3. You're swimming in blessing. You've been blessed in this heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3. You may not know it. You may think life's God's angry and hates you. You don't get it. You're swimming in blessing from all eternity. And God says, you can trust me. Launch out into the deep. Do not fear. Do not fear. And the answer, what's going to happen is, you will find that as you do and step out, it'll be like, oh my gosh, the wonder. The nets are breaking. I had no idea. I had no idea. Peter had no idea of this amazing life God had for him. You have no idea what God's got for you. If you'll just trust him, and here, when he says, put out into the deep, you say, okay. He says, do not fear. You say, okay. You are going to find, friends, it'll be like this. You're going to look like a wonder of astonishment. I had no idea. Now, I'm not talking about a technique. Do A and do B. You'll always get C. No, it's not like that. This is not like you're going to win the lottery and be a multimillionaire. Okay? It, this is not about that kind of a formula. And I, and I can't tell you what it's going to look like because I don't know. But I do know this. When you launch out into the deep, it transforms you. And it transforms the way you look at life, and it transforms the way you look at God. And thus it transforms everybody around you. You become a gift to the world. But the only way that happens to you is by faith. You say, okay, consistently along the way as he continues to launch you out into the deep in different areas of your life. So one of my great illustrations is Thomas Aquinas. Because it's so, such a different kind of illustration. Aquinas was one of the greatest theologians of his day in the 1200s. Brilliant scholar. He'd written volumes, cases full of books on, on theology. And so what happened was he, um, at the end of his life, 
he had this um, launching into the deep experience where he saw God. In, in the middle of a service, he had this, like, something happened to him in a service where he had such a glimpse of who God is that he, he, he couldn't write any more books. And they begged him to write books. He goes, I can't. Everything I write now is like straw next to what I've seen. And he didn't write the rest of his life. Now, here's what one, his, his like biographer wrote about him. He says, his tongue was stilled by the superabundance of life that he had glimpsed in God. He was silent, not because he had nothing further to say. He was silent because he caught a glimpse into the inexpressible depths of that mystery of who God is that cannot be reached by any human thought or, or, or speech. And I just love it. You see, God's launching not just you personally. He, I believe the whole New Life Fellowship Church, he's taking us all out into the deep. Our best years, friends, are ahead. I don't know what God's going to unfold for us, but I can just tell you this. I'm glad to be a part of it as God unfolds it. All right, so, so here it is. Some of you I know are stuck. Okay, you're stuck right now, and you're on shallow water, and he's saying, put out into deep. And you're like, you're fighting it. No, no, you're defensive, you're reactive, or maybe you're fleeing it. You're, mo you're just cutting off. Uh, from others, maybe you're you're frozen. You're just you're like you can't even move. You're just like you're stuck, or or maybe you're fusing. You're 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 just fusing with some other people that aren't moving either, and you've compromised your convictions, what you know to be true in your head, but not in your heart, or or maybe you're fixating. That is, you're you're basically getting into an unhealthy relationship to to, to get to get distracted, and uh, you're triangling here. Or, or maybe you're, you're, just, you're trying to fix things and you're over-functioning here on, on the shallow water because you're afraid to move out. Or maybe you're just floundering. You're, you're passive. You're giving up. Ah, I give up. I'm depressed, you know. And, or, or maybe you're just going into some new addiction. Maybe food, sex, I don't know, you know, money, spending. But some kind of addictive behavior you're just starting to engage in because you want to numb the feeling of confusion and numb the feelings of fear. Jesus is here. He's in this room, and he's speaking to you. And he's inviting you to launch out into the deep place with him. But maybe like Peter, you've been out all night, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you've caught nothing. You've been figuring out your life all on your own. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to make it happen, and you're, you're really stuck. So I, I, I want you to hear the word of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, if I had my druthers, I wish we could have the next three hours and do kind of a small group contemplative retreat around this whole text because it's so rich. But what I want to do is I want to invite the worship team forward. And what I want us to do is I want us to do a little Lectio Divina exercise together uh, around this text and for, for about a minute. Just to, We need some silence before the Lord to actually apply this great truth of what is the normal Christian life into our lives today. So let me ask you, where, ask yourself this question, where am I experiencing God calling me in the midst of my daily life? And where am I experiencing God calling me in the midst of my daily life? Right now. Where he's inviting you to launch out into the deep. He's nudging you. Now, it normally doesn't come by just a, you know, like, like a shot from heaven. It comes in little pieces along the way. So here's what I want you to do. This Electio Divina means a meditation on Scripture. So it says, I want you to put your name in that, in that line there. You know, Pete. Jesus says, put out into the deep. 
don't be afraid. Put out into the deep. Don't be afraid. So Marcus, put out into the deep. Don't be afraid. William, put out into the deep. Don't be afraid. Lisa, put out into the deep. Don't be afraid. You just want to kind of just, you know, God may, a phrase might hit you, don't be afraid, or put out into the deep. You just, you want to just be before God and allow him to just, anything he might want to say to you right now. And we'll take a minute just to, to be silent before the Lord. And um, is there a watch there, Pete? No, it's not there. Okay. We'll take a minute and just be before the Lord uh, together. And um, in fact, William, can I borrow, let me borrow your watch. Do you have a watch on you? Who's got a watch for me? I'll count, I'll count, I'll count. This we'll do. Oh, thank you. There you go. Very nice watch, Ken. Amen. Very nice. Okay. So I want to invite you to close your eyes, and we're going to be still before the Lord together. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus to you, and I want you to put your name in there. You know, Joe, put out into the deep. Don't be afraid. And let those words kind of wash over you. And you may just want to open up your palms up towards heaven, just a posture of saying yes to the presence of Jesus and the action of Jesus in your heart now. So let's begin.